The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, all of you intentional spirits out there. Uh, Many greetings and much appreciation to you as we are around the time of Thanksgiving. I definitely want to give thanks to all of you, uh, my active listeners and supporters, that through the years, because of you, our show continues to thrive and people are listening to us all over the world. And I really just want to put that out there. It's really because of you, because you share, because you care. All of that, and I'm just very, very grateful. This is the time of year that we definitely want to tune into the power of giving thanks, and I'm recognizing that every part has been necessary on our path, kind and unkind. Well, talk about a story. Um, we're going to have the good pleasure today to talk to an amazing author called, her name is T. Her name is T. Love. And she is the author of Santa's Tiniest Elves. And she is doing amazing social activist work on the planet. And she is a difference maker. T, welcome to our show today. Thank you for being on with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, especially at this time of year. It's perfect. Thank you. It is. It's absolutely perfect. And we want to give a big shout out to D.S. Chandra Hunter. And everything that she is, um, our publicist, and say thank you uh, for putting us together. We really appreciate that. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, what what has shaped you? What has made you care? Um, how did you become an intentional spirit? I think, well, probably as far as growing up in, in, a, uh, in an area in New England where, you know, we were just kind of remote, and uh, I started reading a lot, and I liked reading, and I started learning different things, and, and I wanted to see, you know, what is, basically, what's the purpose of life? <laughs> I guess everybody asks that question, and uh, as I went through life, I realized there was a whole lot more 
to what is going on in the physical than what we see here. And I started studying quantum physics to see how energy works and how we can manipulate it. And, and that got me into my work as an integrative healthcare practitioner. And then along with that, of course, is spirituality. It just comes into play. It just, it, it has to be that way. It just works that way to me. And, uh, then, you know, I, I was living my life, and I had absolutely no intention of writing a book. I had no intention of starting a foundation that just was never something I dreamed about, certainly wasn't on my radar. And then, I guess it was in 2015, in December of 2015, I think, was that right? No, 2014. I was baking Tola's cookies at Christmas time, and there was an ad that came on the TV for Walmart, and it was showing a little girl getting off of a bus and going with her mother to a grocery store and they were buying groceries and then they dropped them off at the food pantry. And then there was another little girl that got off the bus and she went to her house and her refrigerator was empty and her and her mom went to the food pantry and picked up food. And then flash back to the, the next day where the bus is pulling up and the first little girl that was shopping at the grocery store is looking out the window and she sees her little friend who happens to be the girl who goes to the food pantry and they come on and they sit together on the bus and it hit me that you know we just never know what's going on in somebody else's houses these two little kids are friends and they just don't know how they're helping each other and it struck me and then that commercial kept coming on like five times and i thought all right why am i seeing this and why is it hitting me so hard and you know i, I took it all in and i kind of meditated on it and I was like all right I, I always do the philanthropic thing around Christmas time but you know that's around Christmas time so then I went to a luncheon in May and they were honoring three women who had started a food pantry and they told us a story about a little girl with her dad who came in and at the end of their conversation one of the women looked down at the little girl and said oh do you want to go home are you bored and she said no the other lady told us we could get some food before we leave we haven't eaten in two days there was not a dry eye in the house and i'm sitting there looking at the plate of food in front of me that cost 65 dollars for this luncheon that was chicken that wasn't cooked that i pushed around my plate and wouldn't eat and i thought what a waste what a waste so the next day happened to be the postal service was doing a drive for food. So I got up early in the morning before my yoga class and I went to the grocery store and bought some food and brought it home and my husband starts unpacking it and I'm like, no, that's not for you. <laughs> and I take the food and I put it on the doorstep and the postal service picks it up and I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I see this, this is good. And then things started happening more and more throughout the year, things that I just noticed. And I guess I internalized it to the point where it was like October and November, I started waking up in the middle of the night and taking notes. And I'd read the notes in the morning and I'd think, what is this? What am I supposed to do? And then I, I don't know the rest of the story because the next thing you know, I was in a law office asking an attorney who's a friend of mine, can you help me to establish a 501c3 so that we can help children in need because there's a huge need for it. And he said, sure. And he said, it's going to take six months to a year. I said, all right, you know. So I started planning for six months to a year and what I needed to do. And 55 days later, I got the notice from the IRS that you're a bona fide 501c3. So I called the attorney and I said, hey, I got this notice from the IRS that says I'm 501c3. And he goes, no, you're not. And I said, no, seriously, I, have this, I will scan it and email it to you. And I did. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> and I thought, this is all happening so fast and I kind of don't know what to do with it. So I better, you know, get going. And I did, and got some volunteers together, and we started doing things, and now we're a fully 
established and we're a year and a half old and during that time I thought, okay, I need to I need to tell people what is Soji Huggles because no one knows what that is. And that's kind of how the book came about. Um, that too was an interesting <laughs> little side story. Do you want me to stop now so you can ask any questions? <laughs> Oh, well, no, I want you to do what your spirit tells you to do. I Every show is different, and I know that's why the audience loves it so much, is because, you know, we're just working from our hearts, not a script. And right. so I don't, I don't really have an agenda other than um, I really want people to know, you know, what you're doing and what you're about and how you're changing the lives of so many kids. That's that's my wanting to accomplish that today. So from the place of where you came from and everybody was telling you all these predictions and yet there was a greater idea for you for sure. So you got you became a nonprofit in in 55 days and the name of the your children's foundation is Soji Huggles. Correct. Right? Okay, Soji Huggles um, a children's foundation and all of you that are tuning in you can go to uh, Santa oh my Santa what in elves santastiniestelves.org thank you santastiniestelves.org and we'll, we'll put it on our comments and those of you that are tuning in on Facebook this is a great conversation to get into today we all are looking to be difference makers and seeing how we can make an imprint by doing one thing. Uh, we say that all the time, and we're so grateful that T picked her one thing. So, Soji Huggles, where did that where did that name come from? Well, I, I didn't pick this one thing. It was thrust upon me. <laughs> and that's okay. I picked up on it because sometimes, you know, when you see things and you say, somebody really ought to do something about that. Sometimes yeah. it's the knock on your door and you're the one that has to do something, but you're not really driven to do it. And for some reason, I was. When I was a child, my mother, there's an Irish custom that an elf gets dropped off at your house on November 30th every year and stays in the attic and watches over the children. And in preferential order, every time you're naughty, crosses off a gift off your wish list. And that's the you know, the elf's job is to manage the wish list for the children. So we were brought up that way, and she made up the name Soji Huggles. And I don't know how she made it up. She just made it up. And we used to tell her all the time, you know, you should write a book, you should do this, you should do that. And she wouldn't do anything with it. She didn't do anything with it. I guess it wasn't hers to do. And then, of course, the elf on the shelf came out and was like, oh, man, you were the first elf on the shelf person, you know. And uh, so Soji Huggles was a name she came up with. And then... When I was thinking of a children's foundation, I thought, you know, I absolutely love Christmas. I'm a maniac about it. Why don't you go with your passion? Oprah was always saying, find your passion and do something with it. And name this after the elf. So I did. So I call it Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. And what happened was when I was meeting with my advisory board that I pulled together, somebody said that should be an acronym. And I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a really big acronym. But she came back with some words, and what we came up with was sharing our joy intentionally, helping us grow gratitude, love, empathy, and selflessness. So it is an acronym after the fact, and that's how the name came about. But no one, you know, it's not something anybody ever heard. People would say to me, is it a foreign language? What does that mean? What is Soji Huggles? And so one day I thought, you know, I really need to explain this. And it was prior to getting 
the 501c3 certification. And I thought, all right, I need to come up with some notes. So I was getting ready to go to, I don't know, some kind of a gala. And I had rollers in my hair and no makeup on, and I needed to put a gown on and go. But I had 30 minutes before I needed to start. So I sat at my computer, and I started typing, you know, Soji Huggles. And I put in the question, how do I explain Soji Huggles? And I figured things would come to me. And they did. And 47 minutes later, I'm reading the words, the end. And I'm looking at my PC, and I'm thinking, what just happened here? Something happened. I don't really understand this. So I got off my PC. Now I'm going to be late. I run upstairs, throw on makeup and a gown, and go to my gala. I come back, wake up the next day, go to my yoga class, come back. Oh, yeah, I need to read that thing. So I go in, and I read it, and that was the book, Santa's Tiniest Elves. So when people say, oh, you wrote a book, I say, yeah. No, not really. I really think it was, you know, dictation from the universe. That's pretty much what I did because a word was never changed. Nothing was changed. It, it, that's exactly what came out. So it then became a book, and I, you know, we just published it this year, and uh, now we're selling it. And it has a great little message, and it's great for kids, and it, the proceeds will go to directly to children in need. And that's probably what's unique about our foundation is that we are run by volunteer solely. No one gets any payment. There's no compensation or stipends of any kind, no salaries. And every single penny of every single donation goes directly to children in need. And we've done this since the, since the beginning. It's only a year and a half, but, you know, we, we aim to continue down this road. And we find that, you know, there are a lot of people who will donate things. So if we do a coat drive, now we have coats to give children, and we've given out hundreds of coats. We've received lists of supplies from teachers and people have donated and you know supplies i was actually in a store checking out supplies and i saw a gentleman there that i never met before and he asked me if i was a teacher and i said no and he goes oh too bad that's a lot of homework for those kids and i started laughing and then he was waiting at the front of the store like hanging out and i thought why is that guy just hanging out you know i mean it was noticeable and i started putting my stuff up and i returned my carriage and when i came back to get the items, he stepped in front of me and said, before you do that, I had my credit card out. He put his credit card in the machine and took, paid, made the payment. And I was like, wow. I just stood there with tears in my eyes because he knew. We, you know, I explained to him that we were a nonprofit, that I was not a teacher. So people are donating things uh, a lot, and the money goes to school lunches. We've done 10,000 school lunches just this year. We have a vision program where we pay for um, exams and eyeglasses for students. And this is children under the age of 19. And we have just implemented in November, it all came together after a lot of negotiation from probably May on. We have a hearing aid program, an EpiPen program, and we just uh, also instituted a dental program. So we will be able to provide free exams, x-rays, and cleanings for students for $40, which we will pay per student. And then anything after that, they'll do a sliding scale on the parents' income, and we'll pick that up as well. So, you know, sometimes when you just start to do something, you don't know how it's going to go, and you don't really know what it is. You're shown, and you're given all the tools that you need. And I, I firmly believe that's what's happening here, because it's just gone too much in alignment. There's, it's so in flow, and that's when you know you're doing the right thing, that it, it isn't even funny. It's astounding. I'm always amazed. I love being amazed. 
and I'm just so very grateful, which to me, gratitude is the secret of life. So the more grateful you are, the more things that, that you can do. And it's, it's truly a blessing to know that all of these kids are, you know, they're going to be warm, they're going to get food, nutritional meals, and uh, they're going to have some of the medical care that they need that their parents can't afford. Well, you know, that you, you hit such a key point. I, I think that's what stops so many visionaries. I think it's what prevents a lot of what we call ordinary people, like ourselves, mm-hmm. from, from doing something. We have a passion. We feel deeply engaged about it because it's a conversation. It, it moves our heart. And yet we try to figure it out. You know, we gather teams together and we try to figure it out and we we get so into the the how it's going to come about that it, it shuts a lot of people down from ever moving forward because they, they make it so big with so many obstacles to overcome rather than just letting it happen and unfold in the way that you've done that. That's, that's a great story and that's a, a great teaching. You know, I can see... At, at some point, you're going to be, you know, sharing in, in large classrooms and forums, telling other people, well, this is, this is really how you do it, is to not make it complicated and to kind of, you know, go with every step as it comes your way. That, that's a great, encouraging story, and it's a beautiful and wonderful holiday story as well. I love um, what, you're, what you're doing. Well, Tell us a little bit about the book because now's a great time for people to be buying the book, especially knowing that the profits go to help children eat, help them see, help them live, help them be vibrant. All proceeds are going to be used for that. And you can go to Santa's tiniestelves.com. That's Santa's tiniestelves.com. Uh, T, tell us how. Um, what give us a little bit about the story and it, it obviously is a story about two elves yes. um yes so santa's tiniest elves it's kind of a spin on the current day view of christmas but you know it, it spins it back to the elemental meaning you know of christmas when i read it i thought oh yeah this is getting back to the basics of christmas because again i didn't really know what i was typing when i was typing it i i don't know where he went but she wasn't fully aware. <laughs> she was just typing. So it's a, a universal message of love and kindness. Uh, you know, each of Santa's elves obviously have a job at the North Pole. And when I was a child, Soji Huggles, of course, was always very tiny to me. So this is one of his tiniest elves. And Santa didn't know what kind of job to give uh, Soji Huggles simply because so, so tiny, you're afraid the other elves might step on you know, him, and, and he has a little counterpart. Her name is Snuggalisha. And uh, Snuggalisha and Soji Huggles are the two tiniest of his elves. So he thought it would be impossible to find them something to do. And he would watch them float around Aurora Borealis Mountain, and that's where they filled their hearts with love. And they're the only two elves in the world that can do that. They, they have that special ability to do that as they fly around the mountain. So he realized when he saw them that there was a much bigger job that they needed to do for these two little tiny spirits, and it was a job that could last all year. So there's a message in there about what the job is that he gives them. So I'm not going to do a spoiler alert. <laughs> you have to buy the book and read it to see what the jobs are. <laughs> 
and uh, he gives them this job that is all year, and uh, they just, um, you know, the two little elves have this really huge job. So, you know, it doesn't matter how big a person you are in stature or in whatever way anyone thinks. It's what you do that makes all the difference in the world. So that's really the premise of the book. And, you know, again, it just, like, flew out of, I never typed so fast in my life. That I knew. <laughs> you know, and I'm a fast typist, but that I knew. So it was intriguing for me to read the story and say, you know, what is this about? And uh, and that's what it is. And I really liked it when I read it. <laughs> and so when I sent it to a couple of publishers, they were like, oh, we like it too. So I was very grateful for that. <laughs> wow. It's just incredible. I love your story. It's just uh, how everything just keeps falling in place. You're just listening. You're listening to your inner wisdom and your intuition. And it's just, you know, one step after the other. Um, why children? Why did you uh, find the path of interest? Uh, we have elder interest. We have, um, you know, homeless interest. We have animal interest. We have all different kind of interests and certainly needs in all of those areas are things that people can do and be a part of. Why did you choose children? I think I was driven to that simply because uh, I really believe that our most precious natural resource is our children, and yet the disparity between our country's wealth and the condition of its children is is unparalleled. Many children don't have the basic necessities of food, shelter, clothing, and knowing that, you know, Soji Huggles was what was in my head, was what was going on, because I had named it and already been to the attorney and told him that's what I wanted to call it. You know, Christmas is for children, and it seemed if you can start with giving children what they need, the opportunities that we've been given. We've been given so many opportunities, many of us, not all. But if we can give them those opportunities to take advantage of those opportunities and allow them to thrive and experience purpose in life and then ultimately contribute to society in meaningful ways, they're going to be better people. They're going to have more purpose-filled lives. They might do something wonderful we don't know. But the number of children that don't have opportunities because, you know, they're, they're, they're in pain. They have tooth pain, and so they're not going to school. They don't have clean clothes, so they don't go to school. So we have a laundry program for them. They don't, you know, they're not being able to excel because of their circumstances, and that's a shame. We have no idea what their capabilities are. And I was not brought up in even middle class. We were, you know, we had poor times, very poor times. And I think when you look at that and you pull up your own bootstraps and you realize how hard it is to do that to get ahead, I think all of it just came together. And as I look back on my life and I realize the things that I've done, they all just came to this point. And it, I think it's odd, too, because, I, you know, I don't have children. <laughs> so I'm like, here I am running a children's mm-hmm. foundation. So why did I pick children? As I said, I think this was thrust upon me. I think it was shown to me, and it just hit my heart in a way that I thought, I remember thinking, somebody really needs to do something about that. This is ridiculous. These kids don't have a chance, and, and this world needs fixing. And the more I saw, the more I realized the person that needs to help do this, you know, you're one of them. You need to start doing something. So I did. And I just, when ideas came to me, I just followed through with them. I didn't think about it. I just did. And that led me to all of this. So that's how, that's how children came about. I love that. And 
and it's a very uh, cool story. And and what a group of individuals to really capture and take hold of because I, you know, a lot of people say children are our future, but they really are now. And they have so much wisdom and so much love to give. And I've always said, and I know some of our listeners are thinking, you know, I've heard you say this a few times, Temple, but I really feel this way, that, you know, part of it is that children come in in this incarnation, and they're our teachers. In our society, we have it backwards. Right. We think we got to tell them everything we know. we got to tell them everything we think. We're going to kind of shape and mold them to kind of be like us, and we're going to remind them that they're like their grandmother or their uncle, or you're going to be like so-and-so. Um, rather than you have divine potential to be something that we don't even know yet. But they teach us, you know, so much love and, and so much grace. I want to welcome Robert Clancy, who is the author of Love, who's tuning into our show today. How are you doing, Robert? Thank you for joining us. And just thank you for everything that you're doing Um T-Love, one of the things that Robert says is he says, you know, I'd like to thank you from my bottom, from the bottom of my heart, but there, there is no bottom. Isn't that cool? Yeah, really cool. very cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's just really beautiful. But one of the things as you were talking, I, I just had to look it up because I think it profoundly goes with what you're talking about with a lot of people right now in their cities, in their downtown, in their neighborhood, uh, that they could tune into more effectively. And it goes like this. There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody can do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. Whoa. I love that. I I really love that. That's a great little story. I love that. It's so true. You can Google it. That's not my job. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And it will it will pick it up on somebody's blog. But I just think that that's such a key point of where we are in community today and, and where we are on our planet today is is the ability for people to pick the one thing, the one thing that really connects with you, the one thing that really draws your heart, and just start there. And I love what T is saying is that you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have a passion, you know, about about what you believe in and about what you care deeply about. The people will come, the next steps kind of show up, and it, it all really works out. Um, Myself and another um, lady, Carol, uh, Carol Grundle from Sarasota, we were in Brazil, and we got all caught up in um, some of the street dogs there. Of course, we there's street dogs everywhere and animals, but 
we were just real smitten with them, and we brought eight of them home, and that led uh, to just a whole project, a 501c3. We have uh, adopted, even here at my spiritual community, 225 animals here um, in two years, so pretty significant. So it's just a step, you know, but you have to be willing to take the step. So I think it's also awareness, you know. I think that you don't have to go out looking to think, oh, what do I have to do? What am I passionate about? I want to do this. How do I do it? Because then you're putting up resistance. You're not open to seeing what's being shown to you. So if you just do whatever it is that you're doing and allow things to be shown to you, something is going to hit you in a way that you will totally unexpect. I did not expect this. I didn't. As I said, it wasn't on my radar at all. And it wasn't in my life plan. And here I am doing this, and I'm thinking, wow, this is the most fun I've had, the hardest work I've had to do, but the easiest in that it's been, things have just been with something as a block. Somebody else comes up and says, well, here, how about this? And I'll say, okay, great. And then it works. So even though you run into challenges and you get a no, there's somebody right around the corner who gives you a yes. And it just seems to flow. So the awareness of being open to receive is really key. You don't have to go out looking. You don't have to think about it a lot. You don't have to meditate on it. You just have to be aware and pick up on anything that comes along that is even remotely something you'd like to do and try it and see where it goes. And if it doesn't go where you might think it will go, then maybe that's not the right thing, but it will lead you to where you truly need to be. So you've started, um, thank you for that, um, T. And I've, I've just got to ask you, because people ask me about my name all the time, and my name is my birth name. Is T love your birth name or your chosen name? Um, I married the love part. The T part um, I did change from my birth name, but it is legally T love. That is so cool. Yeah, I love your name. I'm like, I'm so excited to have her as my guest. <laughs> it's such a powerful name, T-Love. That's where it's at. That's the foundation. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Of course it does. So it's only been a, a year and a half that you started the foundation or that uh, you wrote? April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. A year and nine months now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And all of this has been accomplished. Now, are you working uh, mostly in the immediate New England area? I'm actually in New Jersey, so yes. Right now we're working in our area until we get large enough to do more. And my attorney at one point said, you're going to go international? And I said, yeah, okay, I'll go international. I'll go international as soon as every kid in this country is fed, clothed, and immensely loved. How's that for you? And he just looked at me. Okay, I probably won't be here. I said, I definitely won't be here. (laughs) But that's the goal, you know. And to be honest, I mean, I had a plan after I started this. I thought, all right, well, at the end of year two, we should have a vision program. At the end of year five, we should have a dental program. And we'll see what comes into place in between. We're not even at the end of year two, and we've got the vision program. We've got the dental program, an EpiPen program that I never thought about until somebody asked me about it, hearing aid program. You know, a lot of these poor kids are in families where there's addiction of all kinds, and they get beaten, and they get hit in the head, and they don't have hearing anymore. There's a loss, a hearing loss. And 
that's a basic necessity to me. I mean, I had somebody say, do you really think eyeglasses are a basic necessity? And I said, oh, my gosh, we're not talking about just food and clothing. Yes, I absolutely do. Because if you can't see, you can't read. And if you can't read, you won't learn. And if you don't learn, you become a statistic or a member of a gang. You could be, you know, somebody who's got uh, alcohol addiction or drug addiction, you know, or worst-case scenario, suicide. So, yeah, I do think it is a basic necessity, and we will go forward with the vision program. And right after that, that was fully established in, in August. It took a while, and then right after that, the other things fell into place. So I don't know what's in store for year five. I mean, my plan was obviously not the plan of the universe. And, you know, while that is amusing sometimes, I never am amused. I'm just like, okay, show me what you want me to do next. <laughs> and I just go with the flow. <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, that you're so spot on. I mean, we must provide children with the basic five senses, and they already have the two or three others that are reach beyond what we have, the intuition and the inner guidance and the ability to see what isn't there, you know, behind the walls of all the pretentiousness and everything else. But they definitely need to have everything about their hearing and their sight, everything provided for them. Um, you mentioned that children, you know, they have intuition and they're born so much closer to source. They come in so close to source. They know everything. And then we take it away from them. We do that. It's been done to us and we continue. It's perpetuating. We continue to, no, you don't have imaginary friends. No, you don't. You can't do this. You can't do that. And society puts this damper on them and limits their abilities. And then at the age of 30 or 40, they're going back looking for that spirituality to see what it is they can do and realize their own, you know, limitlessness. And that's so important. And when I was dealing with one child, there was a group of children, and I I was speaking with them, and one little boy came up to me and he said, Mrs. Love, I did this wrong. And I didn't even look at what he was doing, and I said, no, you didn't. And he said, I didn't, and I said, no. And he says, it's not wrong. I said, no, you just found a way that doesn't work, so now go back and find a way that does work, okay? Just keep doing it until something works. And he goes, oh, all right. And he felt much better about himself, and he sat at the table with all these little girls. And he was cute. He was really cute. He's going to break a lot of hearts someday. (laughs) And um, this one little girl said, oh, no, I did it wrong. And he looked at her. This was within five minutes. And he said, no, it's not wrong. You just found a way that doesn't work. Now keep trying, and you'll find a way that will work. And I looked at him, and I thought, well, kudos to you, kid. You listened to me, and you took it in, and then you regurgitated it, which means you learned it. I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. It was a really really wonderful moment to see that because we do tell kids, no, that's wrong. And instead of doing that, if you just say it's just a way that doesn't work, it gives them the motivation to move forward and, and find other things, and then they won't lose all of that connection to source that they have if we just give them a different perspective. It's so powerful, no, no doubt, and that applies to all adults out there that are listening yeah. to. You know, it's like we we have been so trained and so programmed that there's a right way and a wrong way, and never a third way or a fourth way or a fifth way or a, a new beginning way. I mean, and that's that's so much a part of it is that we have this you know, limited way of seeing and experiencing things. And I was just thinking about that that kid, you know, I could project him out when he's in college and goes on with the family, and he won't ever forget what you said. And one of the reasons he won't ever forget what you said is on a soul level, it's an absolute true statement. Yes. Yes, Yes. that you can do it wrong, 
right? Say that again. Your statement again, and let's all kind of breathe that in. Yeah, he did not do it wrong. He just found a way that didn't work. So now go back and find another way that works. That's what inventors do. That's what scientists do. You know, they go and they realize, okay, well, this way didn't work. You never hear them say that's wrong. They say, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Well, that didn't work. Well, you know, and it could be 500 things that they need, 500 times to get it to be something that will work. But it's never wrong. It just doesn't work. And if you have that perspective, you, you don't give up. You just don't give up. Yeah, it's a good thing Edison didn't think that he was doing it wrong or we would never have had light bulbs, would we? Right, right. I mean, all inventors are like that, yeah. Can you imagine almost a thousand times saying, you did it wrong, you did it wrong. Oh, that's wrong. What are you doing? That's wrong. Instead of, what, there's a new way wanting to reveal itself. I really, really love that a lot. Well, how 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 do you find the children or how do they find you? As you're working with the uh, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, which you founded, for those of you that are just coming on board, I'm talking today with T. Love. She is the founder and director of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, and it's quite, almost two years old. Um, she is the author of the book, um, Santa's Tiniest Elves. That's Santa's Tiniest Elves. And you can go to that website, SantasTinyAsDales.com, and find out so much more about T and the work that she and her advisory board are doing um, to impact the lives of kids and making a difference. Um, how? What's the process? How do you? How do you find children? You know, that was an interesting process to go through, and it, it, I think Soji Huggles has evolved in so many different ways since we started. We, I started and I thought, well, okay, we'll raise funds and then I'll go to other nonprofit agencies and I will, who work with children and I will, you know, fund them. So I talked to one nonprofit agency and I said, if, um, if I gave you money for your kids program, would you be able to promise me that it all goes to the children and none of it goes to salary and none of it goes to overhead? And the woman looked at me and said, oh, no, I can't promise you that. And I said, oh, okay. So she said, so you'll be sending a check? I said, absolutely not. You're off the list now. And I walked away, and she was not happy with me. And I thought, we're not getting salaries. Why would I give it to somebody who's going to pay salaries with it? No way. So I started talking to the schools, and I know some people. I'm, I'm on the, my um, Chamber of Commerce. I'm the Secretary of the Chamber of Commerce on the Board of Trustees. So I know a lot of people in the school system. So I started talking to them, and I realized the people you need to speak to are the guidance counselors the instructional coaches, and the nurses, because they see it front and center. And they, they're on the front line. They know which kids are hurting. They know which kids are on the reduced rate program for lunches. They know which kids are on the free program. And when I speak with them, I tell them, I'm not worried about the kids on the free lunch program. Those kids, they're fine right now. They will graduate into poverty when their parents get a raise and they're cut off and now they have to pay for lunches at a reduced rate. That's when we take over and start helping with that. I am worried about them as far as coats and and other things that they need. So when you go to the schools and you talk to the nurses or the guidance counselors or instructional coaches, they go to the teachers and the teachers will tell them, well, this little kid's wearing a coat that doesn't fit or it's, you know, it's a mess and they need a new coat. And so they go back to the nurses and give them the information and the nurses contact me and they'll say, okay, here's what I need, a list of. And then we go through our inventory of what we have. For instance, yesterday, Macy's, okay, Macy's, had their Black Friday sale yesterday. So their coats that are $85 are now fifteen ninety nine. Fifteen ninety nine. 
So I was like, oh, okay, all right. I do have people who give me money and will say, gee, this is money I'm giving you for the foundation. This is money I'm giving you to buy coats because I don't have time to do it. I said, all right. So people have given me money to do that. I went online yesterday and bought 50 coats. 50 coats. Hello. You know, so all different sizes. So when people call, I just go through the inventory and say, yep, we have a boy size 12. We have a boy size 20. What do you want? You know, and again, it's for children under the age of 19. So the, the sizes can range you know, from one extreme to the other. And we get all of them. We get all of them, and we do that. We do a diaper program as well because, you know, parents don't, they can't afford diapers. They're extremely expensive. So we've done, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of diapers. But all of these things that come up, you know, people will call and ask, and they've already been vetted because they're through the schools, and the schools know. So I don't have to worry about a vetting process, which makes it easier for me, because this is not what I do for a living. This is what I do for volunteer. What I do for a living, you know, I still have to work. <laughs> so I don't have time to vet the people as well. So it works out really well to go to those who are on the front line and know which children are the ones that are in the greatest need. And I, I, I say that all of you that are, are listening uh, both live on Facebook, and I love your comments and welcome all of you, and good to see you out and about, Helene. That means a lot. Um, I want to say that in addition to that, those of you that are listening later on, on Unity Online Radio as an MP3, um, this is just such a, a message around uh, this time of year you know, we always say we're getting ready to go through the, the holiday seasons, but I think it's more important to think about the holiday reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what T-Love is saying, that, you know, look at the reasons um, that um, this whole idea of, of giving and, and celebration and a new birth that's potentially possible for lives such as these kids of what that can look like. And this is just a profound story of how it's so not uh, accurate when people say, well, I'm just one person. You know, what can I do? Because uh, T is showing you very clearly in a very short period of time what one person can do. And that it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be strenuous. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, that it just kind of is one step and then the next step and the next step and um, in order for it to happen. It's just really incredible. Now, uh, T, sometimes do you get feedback as far as like anything about the kids or what something's meant to them or that their attitude feels better now that they have glasses or do you, do you get to hear at that level? I do. I get to hear it from the nurses. They'll send me little notes every once in a while. I'll get an email or I'll, uh, sometimes I get a, a card in the mail that's, that will say, you know, I gave the coat to the child and their eyes just were so wide and bright because now they're warm. And that just warms your heart, you know, because you just know, wow, okay, that's, that's crazy good. They, you know, they're not asking for a lot, these little souls. They just need to be nurtured. And when we nurture them, they're going to grow, just like anything else. If you ignore seeds when you plant them, they're not going to thrive and you're not going to get, you know, a good blossom or a good fruit or anything. But when you nurture them and you give them things that, you know, they, they can 
they appreciate and they and they do these little people do when they have their glasses and they'll say one nurse told me she said oh yeah the glasses came in and this little boy put the glasses on and said I look cool, right? And, and he was smiling. And I thought, okay, that's good, because the first thing I did when they said, well, we'll include glasses in the price of the exam, I said, all right, well, let me see the glasses, because this is not an invitation for bullying here. I want to see what you're going to put the kids in. They can't be nerd glasses. We're not trying to start that. And they showed me the glasses, and they're regular glasses that are, you know, fine for the kids. And I thought, okay, this is good. So the kids appreciate it, because now they can read, and reading opens up an entire new world. You know, they, you can go anywhere in a book, and you can learn so much. And they're, they are thirsty and hungry to learn, but they feel stupid when they can't see or they, when they're hurting or when they're not, they don't have clean clothes, you know. And so they don't want to go to school, and they, they won't get the education they need. So I get the feedback that the kids are, you know, thrilled with whatever it is that they've received, and they're just so happy to have you know, uh, the ability to do things like the other children. They're more like the other children, and that's wonderful. That is so, so powerful. So G. Huggles Children's Foundation, everybody remember that name because I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about that in the future, That that's for sure. Um, buy the book, learn about Santa's Tiniest Elves, Buy the book for your children, for your grandchildren, for your neighbors, and uh, make a difference with this foundation by going to the website, santastiniestelves.com, and uh, support T's work. Um, T, give us some of your uh, final thoughts. Uh, What is it that you want to leave us with? I think that if if everybody just looked around and realized that, you know, children really are our most precious natural resource and we don't know what they're here to do and they do at some level. We all came in knowing what we needed to do at some level and that's why when it's spoken to you in a way that you get, follow your heart. If you always follow your heart, if you come from your heart, you will always win. And if you teach children that, if you teach them that, it's always best to go with your heart then they will, they will win, too. And, and nurture them. Wherever you see there's a need for a child, help that child because you are going to make a huge impact in their life. You don't know what words that you say to someone, how it will impact them in a positive way. You know, and, and say things to people. You know, let them know when they impact you in a positive way. We oftentimes hear, most of the time, when we do something that bothers someone or it's negative or someone has an opinion about it, but... People don't really take the time to to say when there's a job well done or to say, hey, you know what, you made my day when you said that, or I thought about what you said. And it's really important to do that, and I see little people picking up on that because I do it all the time, and I do it with children, and I see them do it with one another when they're in my presence. So I know that they're getting it, and they're saying to somebody else, you know, that's really good. Thank you for saying that about me, you know, and just make somebody's day by doing that. And if you see where there is a need and you can afford to give something. You know, I look at it this way. If everybody gave me a dollar, this foundation would be huge. You know, we all give hundreds of dollars or tens of dollars, you know, to different causes. If everybody mailed in a dollar, (laughs) you know, I could do wonderful things with this. And it's true of any nonprofit. So any organization that you resonate with, make sure you're really aware of where that money is going, what they're doing with it, and, and give when your heart tells you to because that's when you know you're doing the right thing. That is so powerful. 
Uh, I really, really appreciate you being on our, our show today, T. I look forward to hearing about all the things that continue to de- develop and, and manifest with you through the years with your organization. It's really exciting, and I'll make sure to stay in touch. I'll tell our producer to stay in touch with Dia about you, and we can keep track of what's going on. I, I again, Thank you very much, Temple. I really appreciate you offering me this time and providing it for me. It's um, it's wonderful, especially where it's right around Thanksgiving. You know, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. So thank you very, very much. I am most grateful. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank all of you for listening. Um, remember, you can go to the website, templehays.com, uh, firstunity.org, to follow the work that we're doing and know more about the opportunities and things that we do, the different travel programs that I offer. If you want to join me, you're listening in, tuning in from other parts of the country. Um, always invite you to be part of some of the trips that I have. Everything's on the website. It's just a real pleasure um, serving all of you. And one of the things that I definitely want to know as we move forward in the new year is to give us some ideas of some of the shows you would like to have some of the types of um, interviews you would like to see us have on the show. And so God bless you, all of you, intentional spirits, remain intentional, and continue to enjoy this amazing journey that we call life. Thank you, T. Appreciate you. you. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, Jeff. All right. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Really appreciate you. You bet. Are you, you got two more shows rest until the end of the year, right? I think we just have one next week, don't we? Okay. Yep. I, I think that's it. Um, we've already had 467 views on this uh, particular show. Oh, wow. Already. Just within this small window of time. It's really building. It's very exciting. Yeah, we just have one more um, next week. Uh, and then I Thank guess we're closed until when does the station open again? That's a good question. With Reverend Temple Hayes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever we get it ready. <laughs> you, would, you would think you might know. We're just going to be told once you get it set up. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll, have to, we'll do some training and whatnot. Yeah. It'll probably be around the 8th, I, I, second or third week of this, uh, January. Okay. All right. Well, it'd be nice to have a little time out, actually. Yeah, it will. All right, Jeff here. Well, thank you for everything. I finished a little early today. I thought you might be able to get away a little bit earlier, not work so hard. Yeah, I noticed that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, my dear. I'll talk to you later. All right, you and the pictures have a good uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, you too. Thank you for everything you do. <laughs> You're Every welcome. We all right, bye. Bye. And all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything Hang we up. do can be a prayer. And by using our innate creativity in in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote... Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit 
Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. stop to think that before you can love anyone else or expect anyone to love you, you must first love yourself? If you're in the habit of putting yourself down, you may make it difficult for others to accept you. Why not choose instead to see yourself and others as God sees you? True self-esteem belongs to the one who looks in the mirror, not to criticize or admire, but to see past physical appearance into the essential child of God reflected there. The one who moves past fear and discomfort to look deeply and lovingly into his or her own eyes should be able to share that look of love fully with another. Accept the person you are, risk sharing yourself with others, and then watch how you grow. This law of life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, Times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Weather forecasters can provide guesstimates based on scientific data, but in the end... We cannot know with absolute certainty what the weather will be until we live it. Life works the same way. We may think we know what's going to happen, expecting the best while preparing for the worst. We can keep a positive frame of mind and weather any storm because we are one with the ever-present miracle-working power of God. We are mightier than any circumstance on this earth because we are divine in nature and a part of the eternal We live in a world where we can realize our possibilities because we know that with God, all things are possible. 
And the way to keep our hearts and minds centered and focused on divine potentialities is through prayer. As author Frances W. Folks wrote in her book, Effectual Prayer, If the time of achievement seems long, pray. If the way seems dark, pray. If the results seem delayed, pray. Morning, noon, and night, pray. Pray without ceasing. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. For more than 90 years, Daily Word has helped people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Take advantage of our 30-day free trial of the digital edition. You'll receive access to the online magazine, a daily email with the Word for the Day, and the Daily Word app. To sign up for the 30-day free trial, visit unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Our words are one of the instruments with which we build our world. Everything is composed of energy in unique configurations of vibrations. Scientists tell us that sound vibrations affect physical matter. Think for a moment. What happens to your face and your body when you speak with joy, with concern, in anger, with excitement? A woman once described her feelings about the consoling comments of a friend. Your words reached out to me like a lifeline. Realizing how much you cared helped me know I didn't need to feel alone. When we recognize their power, we realize the wisdom of paying closer attention to the words we use and how we use them. Get into the habit of thinking before you speak. You'll never regret it. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind, Body, Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.